Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Got your co-host here, Justin Knott. I'm really excited to talk to marketing multi-specialty practices, and not only that, multi-specialty, multi-state surgical practices, because that's a kind of a unique beast of its own. And I'm, I'm joined today by a special guest, Brian Evans. He is with uh, Comprehensive Integrated Care and Comprehensive Surgical Care, and they're a multi-state, multi-specialty group. And I'm really excited about his insights, not only sharing some of his backstory coming from the military side of things, but what they're doing at CIC and CSC to grow and reach so many different patients and having so many different subspecialties under one roof. So Dr. Evans, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us. And why don't we get started? Tell us kind of your story, because it's a pretty unique story and how all the way up to kind of how you got involved at CIC and what your role is there. Okay. Well, well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to tell, share my origin story. So I started off my medical career, just medical school at GW in DC. And that was after undergrad in uh, Tucson, Arizona at U of A. And during medical school, the Navy actually paid for, for all of that. So I was at Ensign going through med school. And then following that, I went out to San Diego for internship. Then it started to get a little more interesting. I was at Bud for six months before I went to Navy dive school. And that was in Panama City in, in Connecticut. From there, I spent a number of years out in Southeast Asia, Guam, just all over the, the region with the special warfare SEALs, EOD, some mariners, running hyperbaric chambers and essentially just creating some fantastic friends, great mentors, and a really good stories during that time. I finished off my active duty time after four years active duty. Then I went to the reserves and finished up my residency back at the University of Arizona in radiology. Continued on to University of Washington in Seattle for my interventional radiology fellowship, and then moved to Sacramento, where I spent about 10 years with a diagnostic IR group in there. But during that time, towards my the end of the 10 years of that group, I started branching out and learning more about the outpatient world of surgical procedures. And I got involved with CIC, and CIC was closer to its infancy at that time. And I was able to play a large role in developing multiple outpatient centers over a couple of years. And now I'm the medical director of our Reno location, the VP of physician recruitment for the whole organization. And I would, now we have multiple sites all over the West Coast and we're continuing to grow and really push the envelope for this space. Uh, that's fantastic. I noticed something you said there really quickly, which is actually a topic that we have covered. We have a, a pretty large independent hyperbaric facility client that's been a long time client of ours. And I'd like to go back to that because you spent some time doing that, which is a pretty unique space. Do you touch on that at all? Or, or I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by hyperbarics. They've actually got a location in Fayetteville, North Carolina near Fort Bragg, and they do a lot of kind of a veteran and active duty PTSD care. So I'd love your thoughts on that really quick before we jump into the whole multi-specialty thing. Sure. Yeah. When I, I was based in Guam and spent very little time there, but when I was on the island, we ran large multi-place chambers. And most of the time we were diving civilians out of Japan because yeah. they were there on holiday and doing dumb things underwater and getting, getting yeah. depression. 
Yeah. So yep. we never had to die an active duty member because they're actually, they're really good at what they do and rarely happen. But since my active duty time, I haven't run any chambers. However, being CIC is a multi-specialty organization and we do a lot of limb salvage and that is in our purview. And we've been just having discussions about that, of developing some, some outpatient chamber facilities to go along with our podiatry, wound care, limb salvage, revascularization, because it all, it all plays a role together. So we oh, don't have sure. any yet, but that is a possibility. Very cool. Yeah. And, and what's funny is the side that you spent most of your side on is obviously being this group is based out of Atlanta. They don't see much of the diving related hyperbaric stuff. <laughs> and that was mainly what you were seeing on the other side. It's very cool. Yeah. All right. So branching in, tell me a little bit kind of about the multi-specialty practice, a little bit of the journey. Cause like I said, we, we really haven't touched on that. It's mainly been very specialty specific based on obviously the guest surgeon that we're having on, but this is really the first time we've broached the multi-specialty surgical center, center style model. So tell us a little bit about that. And then we'll obviously get into a little bit of the kind of the marketing that model and patient retention and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So CIC started just as an outpatient OBL site of service. And that OBL stands for office-based lab and that's site of service 11. And it was started by Dr. Joel Rainwater in Arizona. These were purely outpatient centers with focus on limb salvage, limb pre preservation. And, and from there, it just grew organically with IR, we play a role in so many different surgical subspecialties and that the business just grew from there. And after a number of years, we now have interventional radiology, interventional cardiology, vascular surgery, general surgery, podiatry, pain, and primary care involved. And it's just expanding from there in our location in Reno and then soon Roseville. We have classics, podiatry, orthopedics involved and when you have a really good product, it's easy to market it. Yeah, absolutely. T talk to me a little bit because it is a unique model and there's so many inroads because y'all can do so many different things for so many different types of patients. Talk to me about what y'all are doing kind of locally in terms of attracting patients. And I'd also be curious, are there a couple, say, subspecialties that are kind of the I don't want to call them bottom rung, but in terms of the top of the funnel that a lot of patients come in that way. And then obviously you can support a lot of different parts of the patient journey based on what their diagnosis, their care plan is, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we're a state of our multi-specialty and facilities that patients come first philosophy. So when we're, we're doing out in the, the market, I'll just use my specialty as an example, interventional radiology, a lot of what we do in the past, patients have known nothing about us. We've been mm -hmm. in the basement of the hospitals with radiology, and they only saw us when in dire circumstances. And now we're coming out of the dark and having to really educate in the community about what IR can offer and educating the docs on the community as well, because many of them haven't had a lot of interaction with us if they're all outpatient. So both referring doc education as well as patient-focused education. We do a certain procedure called prostate artery embolization. 
And most men with BPH never know that it's a possibility to have a minimally invasive procedure deal with their enlarged prostates where they go home the same day, no catheters, and, and they're otherwise scared of the other options of more invasive uh, urologic procedures like a TERP. So we have to get out in the community and just educate them about this as, as an option so they have truly informed consent about how their medical care is going to go forward. So the way we're doing that is we're doing a lot of publication in local magazines and newspapers and whatever market we're in. So that's really focused on the patient. And in terms of the primary care offices, we have field marketers, but the, the number one thing that we have the best return on is when I throw on my fancy embroidered scrubs with my name on it, and I just go around with our field marketer and meet all these referring providers out in the community because no one does that. Unfortunately, docs have been so ingrained in the hospital systems that patients are just fed to them. And I think in this market, we really have to get out there and allow people to meet us and know that we are actually really focus on the patients providing a really good service to the patient and to them as the refer to make it e as easy as possible for them and their teams to get us their patients. And that's the philosophy we have across the board and from our front office folks to all the nurses and staff in the operating room. It's the patients come first and they have as much as they can have a good experience, they have a good, really good experience. I, I love it. I, I wish. I wish Kelly, my, my wife, the, the listeners know that's her background is in that physician liaison, physician referral development, and that would be music to her ears. And I think that that's, that's lost on a lot of subspecialties that may have, as you mentioned, kind of been, been in either in the basement or just primarily kind of referral handoff driven. And you've got some of these really unique procedures that a lot of PCPs are going to be completely unaware of and unaware of the buzzwords that a patient that fits that bill that you can handle with ease versus having to go through a highly invasive procedure. You can take them off, off their hands really easily. And it's all done just by carving out a little bit of time, putting on your white coat, like you said, and going out with a PL and just educating physicians on it. You're I love 100%, that. You're percent correct yeah. on that. It's just getting out there and introducing yourself and getting known in the community that you are part of the community and you're there to help provide a, a fantastic service. I'd love to hear from you too, because we've talked a lot about this over the years, but I always like getting kind of, you're obviously on the front line, so to speak, of interacting with patients. Have you seen a shift over the years from your point of view in kind of the hunger or the need for direct patient education? I think for so long, it was a, whatever the doctor says kind of goes, so to speak, as far as their PCP. And now, even if a referral happens, at least what you hear in the statistics, patients are going on and they're doing their own research. Have you found a more educated patient or a more hungry for education from a physician, a subspecialty physician like yourself over the recent years? Oh, yeah. With all the information at our fingertips, patients come in and already have, they've researched everything, not only about me that they can find, but about what their diagnosis is and what the options are. It depends on the patient age demographics often, but for the most part, they come in very well educated and ask fantastic questions that I need to be on my A game to answer. I, I bet. And I would be curious to know, 
Do you find, because again, and I think that definitely things have changed online in terms of where people are going to find their resources, but you have kind of the WebMD diagnosis patient that can, that can actually end up being more difficult to deal with because they are not you and they don't know <laughs> what you know about the care plan that needs to be put in place. Do you find the educated consumer patient easier to deal with or kind of the one that just comes in and says physician knows best, I'm going to let them guide me versus going out and try to educate myself on all of this. Actually, when those patients come in that say the physician knows best, I try to retrain them of, no, they don't. We don't always know best. You are your own patient advocate. You can make all the decisions for your medical care. Everything is is your choice. So I like it when they come in with questions and have their own ideas about it because they're putting forth effort to get better for whatever, whatever the problem is. But I, and so I do enjoy that. No, and, and that makes a lot of sense. I, I would imagine the higher level of engagement they have, the, the more in tune they are with the care program you're putting in place. And I would have I bet statistically those outcomes are probably greater, like you said, than the the passive patient that's not really engaged in the whole process. Yeah, and their their expectations following anything we do or talk about are realistic because they've they've researched it and have an idea of the way things are supposed to go. Now, I'm curious: Are you on the patient focused content creation side, or are y'all doing anything today, or have plans? just say like yourself, Dr. Evans, of, of doing video or creating blogs, a lot of that stuff that engages well on social media and, and can be probably the most effective engagement conduit to, to reach patients and educate them. I'm working with our team every day about content that goes out on either LinkedIn and, and Instagram and Facebook. My team, my local team in Reno has been pushing me to do TikTok videos, but I'm not so sure about that one. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I'm letting that one play out too. I think that the age yeah. demographic is, is so is so low. It, I don't think it's become applicable to a lot of subspecialties yet because there's not many yeah. that are serving the under 20 market. Yeah, yeah. We don't have many things to help out the under 20 market. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that makes a lot of sense. And I think it'll evolve. I mean, I, there's natural, I think the birth of new social media brings the older demographic to those already existing platforms, as you've seen the evolution of Facebook get older, Instagram get older, and, and that'll happen over time, I think. And then it'll become more of a, a viable market. Do you have, I always like to ask this question while, while I have, as part of your journey, what do you have from an advice standpoint, a physician that's out there, maybe they're getting out of fellowship or they're early on and in their private practice or their hospital journey, what advice based on you, whether it's your journey or just kind of learning the hard way or, or being in the position you're at that you have for physicians that want to grow, they want to work their way up, they want to get more patients, they, I mean, they want to be more of an influence and, and leave a legacy. Do you, what advice do you have for them, whether it's marketing yourself or moves that they should be thinking about making? Some things I learned in the Navy is there's a direct correlation between leadership and what you're talking about for for branding and getting out there and driving referrals. And I had a really good mentor that said, you always need to be approachable, acceptable, and affable. If you can do all three of those, you can be a good leader. And in this and what Bird's doing now and trying to accomplish now, being the approachable doctor and the accessible and easy to talk to doc, the affable one, it gets you so, so far with not only referring docs in the community, 
but with with patients, if patients know they it can just ask you whatever they need to with regards to their their problem, or if a referring doc can just text you and ask you a question about what you've done or or following up for a patient, and you're just easy to talk to, and you just take care of them and their patients and their questions. That does it's easy to do, doesn't cost you anything, and it pays you back tenfold. Yeah, I love that. I could not agree more. What would you say from an an outlook perspective, if you have any thoughts to it on, say, this time in 2023, you're just kind of moving forward in y'all's conversations as you continue to grow, you continue to expand, that patients or physicians marketing to patients should either be aware of or start planning for that you think might be a, a shift in terms of the way patients are going to continue to come into the practice. Do you see anything on the horizon or have y'all had any conversations of as we continue to grow, we should keep this in mind in our marketing approach or our patient attraction approach? I think a lot in medicine right now is being pushed to the outpatient setting. So a lot of the surgical procedures are going to surgery centers or OPLs. Like you can have a total joint in an ASC and go home the same day. So that's happening in all types of surgeries. So patients are going to want that as an option and the payers, yeah. the, the insurances love it because it's a fraction of the cost, but way better, I think significantly better care and acceptability for the patients. So I think that is the future of medicine and it's all outpatient and then hospitals will just be for more acute care and long-term medical. That is great insight because I, I, I see that as well. And, and like you said, it's better for the healthcare system across the board because you got better outcomes. Patients are spending less time in hospitals. It's obviously cheaper and less of a burden on the whole entire insurance system. It's just kind of a win yeah. all the and way if around. We, if we look at ourselves as stewards of the medical dollar, which I think doctors should do more of and try to reduce this burden of huge sums of money going into the system. So if we look at ourselves as stewards of taking care of these dollars, why don't we do something that is less expensive to the system, but higher quality of care? And it's just, I feel that's a no-brainer. Oh, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I love what you said as the steward of the medical dollar as physicians. It's a good way to think about that too, because, and, and unfortunately, that's and this is a whole nother rabbit hole is the physicians like yourself should be more of the drivers and the decision makers on how that dollar gets spent. But hopefully that'll continue to change as physicians like yourself become more of the voice and more involved. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you, Dr. Evans. I mean, as we as we wrap up, I really appreciate you sharing your insights. But before we go, obviously, let the listeners know how, how they can find out more about CIC and CSC, but also connect with yourself if you're out there on LinkedIn or anything. So tell us a little bit about getting connected with the practice if they're local or getting connected with you if they want to maybe collaborate from a colleague standpoint. Of course. Yeah. So my email is brian.evans at CICcenters.com. Uh, so definitely reach out and ask any questions. And our website is tcenters.com. So that can take you to our, our homepage with all of our various multi-state locations. And in terms of our comprehensive surgical care, it's cscasc.com. So that, that tells a lot about our surgery center development and how different docs can be part of it. And that in itself is a totally 
unique model as well because it's completely physician owned, no large companies in it, no hospital involvement in it. So it's we're pretty agile. So when we make decisions, we can actually implement them in every market that we're that we're in. So I think that's the future of ASCs is allowing docs to be owners and controlling it more. And then there are some other really good opportunities that go along with being part of those ASCs where our real estate developers allow, allow docs to be part of the real estate if they wanted to and they can invest alongside. So it's a totally different model that allows docs to hold on to their own fate. I love it. Yeah. The more the doctors are involved, the, the more that they're leading the way from a decision-making standpoint, the better off healthcare will be. I could not agree more. So I appreciate what y'all are doing in terms of continuing to push this model forward. I definitely think it's the future as well. And it's a kind of a win all the way around for healthcare. Well, thank you again, Dr. Evans. Uh, all those things that you just mentioned in terms of the websites, we'll make sure that we have in the show notes for the listeners too, so they can easily get over there and do a little bit more research about what y'all are doing. And again, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy clinical and surgical schedules to uh, come on and share a little bit of your story and experience and what y'all are doing at CIC. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks. Check out my website, kellynot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.